Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Locked In Podcast. My name is Ani. My name is Shri. And this is episode 14. Today is July 4th, just another day, and we hope you all are staying home, staying safe, you know, staying aware of everything going on. Um, we have some exciting exciting topics to discuss today. We're going to be talking all-decade teams for the NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. So this is going to be talking about the 2010s, and there's a, there's a lot of names, a lot of debates in this that we anticipate, so stay tuned for that. A great decade in sports, but right now we have some sports news to talk about. So, fresh, hot off the presses, the NFL franchise that resides in Landover, Maryland, plays at FedEx Stadium. Its team name starts with Washington, and we won't say the racial slur that follows it, are potentially changing their name from said racial slur to a more appropriate name. Uh, This is based on what essentially is a money move. Uh, FedEx threatened to pull out money. Uh, they're also a minority owner in the franchise, and Nike removed uh, this team's jerseys from their website. Uh, but their owner, Dan Snyder, has said in the past they would never change their name. He has like an affection towards the name of the franchise that he loves since he was a kid. He has this whole story. So will he budge? And if he doesn't budge, what happens if they don't change their name? Well, there's so many fans already with so much backlash to the fact that they have the name they currently do. And I know Cleveland in Major League Baseball, they're talking about changing their name. So there's definitely progress on that front. I feel like Washington's eventually going to cave and have another name for the franchise just because of potential potential backlash by their fan base, NFL fans in general. And, you know, with everything happening right now regarding racism and People, you know, respecting the right names and taking away credence from names they might have like given more importance to in the past. It's just really important to know what you're standing for and what you really value. Yeah, I agree. And I think what really opened my eyes up about this specific franchise's name was The Daily Show, uh, I think three or four years ago, did a clip with one of its correspondents, Jordan Klepper. And he went out and went to an actual game of this franchise and talked to fans but also he talked to native americans themselves and he talked about what you know what they thought about and he brought fans and native americans together and they had a discussion i think it's a great you know clip that really gives some context to this dilemma that you everyone should check out i know that even current players of this franchise like Dwayne haskins have said that they would support changes of the name and Dwayne haskins said he likes the name the red tails uh, which I think is a, is a potential name that they could choose. You keep the same color scheme, and it's mostly similar to the other name, but the Red Tails were um, an airborne uh, regiment of the um, Tuskegee Airmen, who were the um, all-black uh, fighter pilot group in World War II. So I think you know that has some symbolism, and also the color scheme fits and the name fits. So that could be one potential that most people are saying that like that seems to be high up on the list of what it could be. Also, Washington Warriors, there's a lot of them out there. But I think, you know, watching that clip, understanding the context behind the move and why, you know, this name itself is so bad is important for everyone to do. But I think, you know, I I think this team could easily change the name and it wouldn't be that big of a problem. Fans of the team have said they're still going to say the name is the name. They're still going to sing the song. They're still going to sing the song. They're still going to wear their apparel. So, like, will it change that much for fans of the team? Probably not. But I think for the people that... You know, this this racial slur hurts. I think this is going to be a big step forward. Yeah, and some people might argue like, oh, this is just performative. Like, ultimately, it doesn't matter. But yeah, you're right. Like, for some people, this is very deeply rooted. And having something as simple as a name change, like, really matters to them. So props to FedEx, you know, for doing their money moves. And hopefully Washington changes. And we have some other NFL news, which is more game-related in that a certain Cameron Newton who speaks on Instagram in absolute hieroglyphics is now a New England Patriot. And I feel bad for Jared Stidham, but I'm also really excited for the Patriots for the first time in like 20 years. You know, we're so used to them just going 12 and 4, 13 and 3, sweeping their division, making the Super Bowl. But this is like the first season I'm, I can say I'm actually like rooting for the Patriots to do well. Yeah, man, I, I love Cam Newton. 
I think he's going to be a great fit on this team. Asterisk, if he's healthy. I think Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick can come up with some really interesting concepts for the Patriots to run, and I think this team has a lot of potential. I wasted a lot of time watching <laughs> Jared Stidham tape from the preseason uh, just to see how good he was. I mean, you never know. Maybe there'll be a QB battle at camp and Jared Stidham will win over. No, that's definitely not going to happen. I think for sure Cam Newton will be starter day one if he's healthy. And I think if he's healthy for the rest of the season, he has easily has the potential to, to lead this team. I, I'm pretty sure to at least the AFC East title, if not a wild card in the playoffs. But I sincerely, again, this is if Cam Newton is healthy, I doubt they miss the playoffs this year. There's always something about these guys from Charlotte, man. Like, Steph Curry changed the NBA with his three-point shooting, and Cam Newton's arguably one of the most transformative players in football history, right? Like, his passing numbers don't scream, like, top-level elite quarterback. I mean, aside from that one MVP season, he went, like, 35 touchdowns, 10 picks, which is fantastic. But it's the running that's, like, really the the X factor. Like, can he make the Patriots one of these more dynamic, modern NFL offenses? And that's something Bill Belichick really hasn't coached, right? Like he's had experience with a pocket passer just steady for the past like two decades. So I'm really excited to see how Belichick handles one of his more challenging coaching jobs and also how Cam like transforms the Patriots offense. You know, that's going to be really exciting to see. Yeah. And I think uh, with, with, with an NFL that's becoming increasingly more centric towards non-traditional pocket passing quarterbacks with the likes of Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, even Dwayne Haskins on, on the Washington team and, you know, Justin Herbert slash Tyrod Taylor on the Chargers, whatever. I mean, there, there's and Russell Wilson even, of course, can't forget about him. There's all these players now and quarterbacks especially that can run really well, but also pass the ball really well. And mm-hmm. Cam Newton was kind of one of the leaders in the modern generation that was really good at both. And I think having him on the team is great because it brings the Patriots offense into a more modern era. Not that they were like behind, but I think it, it can allow Josh McDaniels to really play with the offensive playbook and open it up because he, you know, Tom Brady isn't the most mobile of quarterbacks, but I'll also say it helps out the defense because during practice, they have what could be considered like a close enough replica to like the style of play that Lamar Jackson plays with potentially. So if they meet him, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson during the regular season, during the playoffs, they have experiences what it's like to defend against a quarterback that can both run and pass. So I think this is really, really good for the Patriots on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Great things all around if Cam Newton stays healthy. And if he doesn't, his contract is a very, very team-friendly contract. Lots mm-hmm. of incentives, but those incentives, incentives basically only play off if, like, you know, he completes, you know, X percent of his passes or plays 80% of his snaps or reaches the playoffs or goes to the Super Bowl, right? So I think the cap hit isn't great for the Patriots. Like, it isn't a lot, which is good for the Patriots. And I think a, a prove-it year for Cam and uh, an easy way for the Patriots to become relevant again. Like, I think he literally signed for the minimum with mm-hmm. incentives. Yeah. So there's no, like, it's like a no harm, no foul type thing. I mean, Just there's... mad that the Chargers didn't sign him, honestly. If the Chargers signed him... I mean, look, from my perspective, the Chargers are ready to win now. On their offensive and defensive side of the ball, they have so many weapons that they're going to have to pay eventually. But right now, they're, like, they're all paid already. So mm-hmm. why take a chance, draft this rookie QB, and wait two, three, four more years for him to develop when you can just get Cam from day one, Tyrod Taylor as a backup, you know, both of them, whatever, and win today? I don't understand that, but maybe this is why I'm not an NFL GM. Well, hopefully he he turns his career around. I know he's had a rough past couple of years. Wishing him good health and a good season for the Patriots, which I never thought I'd say ever. But let's move on to these all-decade teams, man. I know we we have the NBA, we have the NFL, we have MLB. Um, let's start NBA. So how this works is for at least for my all-decade team, I kept it not position-based, right? Like I know the conventional wisdom is like two guards, two forwards, and a big, but I felt that was a disservice to some of the players who deserved like a first team nod or, you know, like I, I didn't want to reward excellence just for being a certain position. So I have I have three teams, first team, second team, third team. And it's kind of like it's very free form and open. So let's get right into it. Ani, what's what is your first team? Yeah, so I kept mine position based. Uh, because I think that 
in the other sports that we have, the MLB, the NFL, there are positions. And I do agree and concede to your point that the NBA has become sort of positionless over the, over the last few years. But I still think for convention's sake, just like for all-star voting and just like for all NBA teams, you know, you vote based on position that, you know, I, I have to vote based on position too. So my my first team, all-decade NBA, uh, so the point guard is going to be Stephen Curry. The the shooting guard is going to be James Harden. The small forward is going to be Kevin Durant. Uh, the power forward is going to be LeBron James. Uh, you can switch those two, honestly. I don't really care. And the center is going to be uh, Anthony Davis. I'm curious why Davis. I mean, for me, it was like who was the best big of, of this era. And I think although Davis joined the league late in the decade, quote-unquote, I think he's been consistent from day one. He's like, unless, you know, like unless he was injured, he's basically had a great season every single year. I think he's evolved to be one of the NBA's premier bigs in terms of offensive and defensive side of the ball, the defense part, which is, you know, I think in a very important part of his gameplay, especially in the past two years. But I think he's been super consistent both on the Pelicans and on the Lakers. And I think he's, he's proved that he's able to win and play well against you know, the best of the best with a really, really bad supporting cast. And he's also proved that he's able to win and play with the best of the best with a really good supporting cast. I think he's just been really consistent. If there's one big I could pick from this decade, I think I would pick him. Okay, so my first team, we have similar Curry, Harden, Durant, and LeBron. I don't think there's any doubt for any of those four names. Like You have the best shooter in NBA history, arguably the best isolation scorer in NBA history. You have... A guy who would literally fit in in any era in Kevin Durant, right? Like, you can slot him in any modern offense, any old offense, and he would get you 25 to 30 points easy. You have who many people consider the best player of all time. I think he's the second best. but Second best, second best. Le- LeBron James is a god amongst men. And I have Westbrook as the fifth guy in my first team. I want to reward him for his continued excellence for the last 10 years. His 2016 season, I know people like to say like, oh, you know, like Westbrook stat pads and he just, he grabs rebounds that like the centers should. But what he did that year and in the, like statistically, he's one of the best players ever, but like, it's, it's not a knock on like having a big man in this, but I just don't think any of the big men I'm going to name later on deserved a spot on the first team over what Westbrook has done. Like, both as a sidekick to Durant and individually just how dynamic he is. And he's probably the most athletic player to ever play the point guard position. Yeah, I th- I, th- I think Westbrook is for sure one of the best players of this decade and will go down as, as a great player of this game. But my question to you is, I totally get you not wanting to put a big man because you don't think they deserve it. But the NBA came out themselves with their all-decade team and they put Kawhi Leonard on there. And so I'm curious, and you know, they had the four that we had, Curry, Harden, Durant, LeBron, and they had Kawhi Leonard on there. Something that I basically agree with, but I had to, you know, replace him with Davis for, for my position-based team. So I'm, you know, the question to you is, why do you think Westbrook is the better player this decade than Kawhi Leonard? I just think Westbrook's first four years were better than Kawhi's first four years this decade. You know, like Kawhi came on, I think in that that 2012-2013 season, the year before he won Finals MVP, was the first time like people really saw like, oh, you know, he can be something. He just like once he get a once he gets a jump shot, he's a very elite player. At that point, he was just still a defensive stud who could like somewhat space the floor. He was like your three and D guy. But really, after like twenty, after he won that Finals MVP, is when he really started getting into those like twenty point per game averages. Like he became like an offensive machine. So I think if you take the like the last five years of the decade Kawhi's like a first teamer and that's like no doubt right like he's he's won finals MVP for two teams he's won defensive player of the year he's a well-rounded offensive player gifted scorer but Westbrook just did more in the first half of the decade and th- that's something I kind of want to reward so Kawhi Leonard won his fi- his first finals MVP in 2012-2013 season right no, no, 20, 2014 he won 2013-2014 or 2013-2014. That was the the year they beat Miami in five. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. They lost to Miami the year before. Um, So Mm -hmm. that's still the first half of the decade, right? I mean, so like 
he had a great season that season in the playoffs. He was amazing. So, I mean, I would consider Kawhi's run of excellence to be six years. Not to say that Russell Westbrook wasn't great. I mean, he averaged triple-double in 2016, did it again in 2017, I believe. And, you know, even in 2018, 2019, he still played really well. So not 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 a knock on Russell Westbrook. I mean, I think, I, I think your argument of he had a better first half of the decade, I think... You know, other than the first three years, I think Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard's had a great seven seven years of the last decade. Because if you take, like, Kawhi had a great series, right? Like, the person who wins finals MVP, like, when Iguodala won finals MVP in 2015, it was for the sole fact that he guarded LeBron James, right? And that's essentially what Kawhi did better than anyone else. Like, he guarded the best player in the league. And I don't know, like, his season was fine, but... He didn't start having, like, truly elite offensive production until, like, that 2015-2016 season. Like, he was a good... He was a very good player the first half of the decade. He was a, a great player the second half. And I think Westbrook was just more consistently great throughout, is, is all I'm saying. Like, I, I have no problem if Kawhi's on the first team. It's just my opinion just slightly differs. No, yeah. I can see that. And it's just for me, I think Kawhi Leonard really changed the way that we view some like potential players like he he's he's like a, a truly like he he's a specimen he's he's like a, a freak and, and like a, a physical freak and like he's such a good defender but also you know that was what he's known in early on in his career but he really developed and and became an all-around player and for me it's more about the development like i feel like russell westbrook 2010 to russell, russell westbrook 2016 he didn't develop like he you you could tell even in 2010 like oh this kid is really good he's a really good player and of course the shooting did become a little bit better and he did refine his skills a lot more but when Kawhi Leonard in like 2012 2013 you know was playing in the finals in 2013 2014 won the finals MVP his offensive game is nowhere close to where it was in 2016 2017 and especially last year and this year it's miles apart so I think his development. And literally him transforming himself from the first half of the decade to, you know, one of the NBA's premier defenders, and that's it, to the second half of the decade, arguably a top two player in the league. I think that's really what made me be like, wow, like, if I were, you know, to do it your way, put Kawhi Leonard. I think that's also what made the NBA put Kawhi Leonard in their top five or in their first team all decade. Well, I don't have an issue with it. Like, obviously, he didn't have a shot coming into the league. And I, it's, like, well-known. Like, he just... His hands were too big to have, like, a good jump shot. But, like, that Spurs staff, like, really worked with them. You know, now he's one of the premier, like, three-point shooters. Like, obviously, yeah. you don't consider him, like, a high-volume three-point shooter. But he's very efficient. And he has good percentages throughout his career. So, I mean, it, yeah. I'm not I'm not going to argue if you have Kawhi on the first team. It's just, you know... I, I, I'm not the biggest Westbrook fan, but he's done some incredible things this decade. But Westbrook is for sure on, on my second team. On my second team, I have CP3, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and, and for my big, I have LaMarcus Aldridge. Wait, wait sorry. Can you say your full, your full second team? Kawhi Leonard, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and LaMarcus Aldridge. Wow, so you have you have Aldridge as your second team all decade? I mean, for me, he is so incredibly consistent. I was debating between him and Blake Griffin, considering I already had AD in my first team, right? And between him and Blake Griffin, the fact that, like, especially in the last three to four years, Blake Griffin has not performed as well as he did in the first half of the decade, Lob City on the Clippers, right? But, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, he's ranked sixth this decade. And total points scored, like sixth. And also, he started more games than any other frontcourt player. So those two things, the fact that he's been the most consistent big this entire decade, just for me, you have to reward consistency on that level. Maybe not as a first-team selection, but at least as a second-team selection. So, I thought about Aldridge, but he ended up not making any of my teams. I, I just feel like Aldridge was... Aldridge was, like, very good, but he wasn't ever great. You know what I mean? Like, I liked the pairing of him and Lillard, but we didn't get to see it enough. And then he went to the Spurs, and I, I mean, at that point, he had one good season with the Spurs in which they actually advanced, like, deep into the playoffs. And I'm not talking about, like, his personal stats. Like, those are always, like, fine. But I don't know. I, I Here's my second team. I had 
Chris Paul, Kawhi, so we're similar on that. I have Dirk, because what he did for like five to six years, he still maintained like a very high level of play. He won a finals MVP in 2011. He averaged, I think, 27 in that final series against Miami. And then I have D. Wade, who at the turn, at the start of this decade, was one of the best five players in the league for like three to four years. And I think that matters when when you're talking about like, do we value these players? Like, would you rather have nine like good years of Aldridge or would you rather have like four to five like excellent years of Wade? Like at that point, it just comes to like personal bias, like who you want. And then I also had Dwight Howard on this team. Uh, Let me explain this. Dwight Howard from 2010 to 2014 was an all-star. Okay. He always average three-time defensive player, three-time defensive player of the year, Dwight Howard, right? Like, yes, after 2014 and after he had back surgery he wasn't the same player right like he wasn't the dominating big that we've accustomed like been accustomed to in his early orlando years but but also at the game the game has changed a lot yeah like the 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 last five years kind of went against dwight howard's favor like the league just shifted against post-oriented big men and he definitely took a hit from that but his first like four or five years i'm just gonna like read off his averages real quick hold on so from 2010 to 2015, he was 19-13 with two blocks a game on 58% shooting. Maintaining his like solid rim protection. So I think he was one of the NBA's like best centers. I think he made like two first teams and a second team at that point too. So I don't know. My first my second team again, just to go over it, is Chris Paul, Kawhi, Dirk, D. Wade, and Dwight Howard. I think for me, with Dirk, D. Wade, and Dwight Howard. There, Dirk isn't on my third team. D Wade and Dwight Howard are. My only issue with those three players is consistently, ah, consistency. They were really, really good in the first half of this decade, but in the second half of the decade, you know, a lot, uh, two of them retired, and one of them just wasn't the same player. Dwight Howard did have a sort of renaissance in, or on the Lakers, especially this year, but. I, it just for me is about consistency, and you know, to your point, would you rather have four years of you know great Dwayne Wade or like ten years of good Lamarcus Aldridge? I mean, I definitely do see that point. Like Dwayne Wade was probably one of the top five players in the league from 2010 to 2014, 2015. But I think for me, I just have to reward consistency. If if this was the 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 2000s, I think it might be a different story. But because it was the 2010s. I really have to work consistent. The fact that Lamarcus Aldridge made seven All Stars during this decade, all during this decade, and you know, two NBA second teams, three NBA third teams, is just for me like you you can't not reward that. And maybe you know, I've met my personal bias kicking in here. I love Lamarcus Aldridge. I think he's you know a really good player. I think for sure he deserves a third team nod at least. But for me, it's a second team nod. And again, this is because I have to include a big, and I would choose him over any of the other bigs. I mean, Dirk is considered a big, you know, power forward and stuff, but I I would choose him over Dirk because, again, of consistency. I feel like Dirk really fell off after that championship run. Well, okay, here here are Dirk's numbers. So Dirk, he still, like, he he averaged in 2013-2014 21.7 points per game. So scoring was still there. I think by 2016 end, he was still averaging 18. It's just the last, like, three years, like, as he was, like, 38, 39, and 40 years old. Like, of course, you're if you're a big man, you're going to have some sort of decline at that point. No, of course, definitely. But I don't know. Like, I love Aldridge. I love the mid-range game. Like, players like Aldridge, CJ McCollum, DeMar DeRozan, I just love that, you know, the mid-range isn't dead for them yet. But calling Aldridge one of the 10 best players in the 2010s, doesn't that seem like just a small stretch? No, because he was so consistent from the 2010s. He made seven all-star teams from 2012 until now. Like he didn't. Make, he basically only missed one All Star from 2012, and like, if if, if you're gonna say, oh yeah, a player only missed one All Star in like eight in a, in, a, in an eight year span in a decade, would they not be one of the best players in the league? I feel like, yeah, of course. I think Lamarcus Aldridge is underrated. Oh, I think he's underrated, but I don't think he's like a top ten decade player. But like, I I see what you're saying. Like every year he's like j- he's just good, you know. But 
I I, I want to say like if you did the NBA All Star Draft every year since like I don't know the start of the decade twenty ten like I there there's no way he's gonna start any of those rosters right, which is why he's not in like my my first five but I think like because of the fact that he'd be like like the first or second on the bench in all of those years. Right, I don't that, know about like, that either. So no, some players just aren't going to be there. Some players might start, like D Rose, might start for like two years and then just not play, you know, another All Star game for the rest of their career, which is sad, you know. Derrick Rose is one of the saddest basketball yeah, stories just, ever. But like, I, I would love if that happened, but you know, sadly it hasn't. But yeah, for me, it's just consistency. But that was I my can... second team, and so for my third team, I have Dwayne Wade. Carmelo Anthony, Kobe Bryant, Dwight Howard, and Blake Griffin. I want to know why. I want to know why Carmelo. Carmelo on the Knicks, especially Carmelo on the, on the Nuggets for like the first year or two of this decade, and then Carmelo on the Knicks, I think are like truly some of his greatest years of his career, especially scoring wise. And you know, Carmelo did definitely have a fall off in his career towards you know after 2015 2016 but you know so did Dwayne Wade so did Kobe Bryant so did Dwight Howard so did Blake Griffin so for me I think with with my third team I'm kind of doing the thing that you talked about where like I think those four or five years of the decade like the first four or five years of the decade like all five of those players were really 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 good players and you know Carmelo Anthony has made multiple all-star teams this this decade and just you know truly a one of the best, like, pure scorers to ever play the game, so. No, I love Melo, and I love that he's back in Portland, like, having another chance to, like, redeem his end-of-career arc. You know, it was so sad when he was, like, out of the league, and people were saying, you know, there's no place for a player like Melo. Like, if there's a place for Tim Hardaway Jr., there's a place for Carmelo Anthony. That's and what the, the like 2010s bought us uh, Hoodie Melo, so I think I, I need to reward that. He's a, he's a cultural icon, man. But, okay. I have a, I have a controversial third team. I'm gonna go. Wait, is is it all is it all Warriors players? Is like Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Zaza Pachulia. Those, those weren't even my controversial picks, but I have Draymond, I have Clay, I have Dame Lillard, I have Paul George, and I have Tim Duncan. I think I can see a lot of those. Just Tim Duncan for me again, like. One of the greatest NBA players of all time. I think for me, like, top 10. Um, but it's just, like, he really fell off towards the last five years of this day. He really fell off towards the last five years of this decade. But I think with Duncan's value, it's not the statistical value, right? Because he's always going to be one of the best defensive players on the floor. And in the playoffs, his all his... I'm, I'm looking at his numbers right now. All his numbers in the playoffs are up, right? Like, in... In that championship year, he averaged sixteen and nine with like very good defensive like metrics all across. So I don't know. He's obviously his last year was rough. Like 2015, 2016, he was like essentially a bench type player in terms of the minutes he was playing. But those those first five years, like the twenty ten through twenty fifteen years, like he was a inarguably one of the most important players in basketball. Um, so in that case, I'm surprised to see not an inclusion of Kobe Bryant on your list. I think Kobe's last, he wasn't in, like, his team didn't do well. Like, he, that was a case of, like, empty stats. Like, I love Kobe, but that last 2015-2016 year was all empty stats. The year before, yeah. He had a bunch of injuries that kept him out, like in so many of those seasons the injuries over the last decade for kobe like especially over the last half of the decade just really like it was rough like it was so sad like i mean for me it's just like you had to like i i guess we're counting 2010 as the 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 beginning of this decade right like 2010 so, 2011 like that's like the starting season for this decade oh sad i mean well he did go to the playoffs that year i mean he did lose to the mavericks because they went to the playoffs the, um, no, the, like his Kobe's 2012-2013 where he like carried that team to the playoffs that dysfunctional Nash Howard like, yeah one of one of the like on paper best teams of all time right if you just write those names down the bench was not great objectively the no, bench was not great oh the bench was not great but if you look at the names that were starting they should have been more than an 8 seed 
But then just Nash had injuries. Kobe, like, I think that was the year he tore his Achilles, right? With the, uh, the Harrison Barnes play. He was just driving past Barnes. 2013, and 2014? The, no, 2012, 2013, where he, he shot the free throws. I know. I, 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 Barnes was I don't, I don't I know. I don't it was against the Warriors, I'm pretty sure. No, no. The play is correct. I'm just forgetting the year, whether it was 2012, 2013, or 2013, 2014. No, it was 12-13, because Bar- that was Barnes' rookie year. But, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to compare Duncan and Kobe in this decade just because Duncan was just a... He, he had more of an impact to winning than Kobe did. And part of that, obviously, like, Kobe didn't have the supporting cast he was, like, used to. And aging with a guard is kind of different than, like, aging with a, a big, burly power forward. But I, I like Duncan's contributions this decade. I mean, yeah, and then based on your Warriors picks, I can't really say anything because I know you're not going to be convinced. No, say uh, it. Like, I want to hear why not Clay. Uh, for me, it's probably why not Draymond. I think Draymond just doesn't deserve to be in this all-decade team at all, personally. I, you, think, you think Draymond deserves less than what Blake Griffin did this decade? Like, don't get me wrong. Blake Griffin was a monster, but Draymond... A thousand percent. Draymond won Defensive Player of the Year. He's always a top-five defensive player, top three. Um, he's an all-around one of the best players you can have. He's one of those players who, like... He raises the ceiling for your team. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he. If you have superstars around him, he will make them a million times better. And that's like so obvious with how he plays with with Steph and Clay. I think Draymond's he's a he's a very good player. I'm not doubting that. I just really think that he got a lot of benefit from the the cast he surrounded himself with. The fact that he had two of the greatest shooters of all time on his team was just like a luck of the draw. And I think like, honestly, like, I mean, we, we saw Draymond did this past season on the Warriors. You know, it's not a pretty sight to see. Not again. Nobody, nobody on again, the Warriors yeah, was no. a pretty sight to see. And Blake Griffin, the, the team was terrible. Hampered by injuries and stuff like last year, Blake was fine, but don't tell me Blake didn't play with like top level talent. He had the best, no, no. one of the of best. Course he of did, but I think, I, I think I would rather have Blake Griffin this decade than, than, you know, Blake Griffin played pretty good defense throughout the decade, too. It's not like he was a bad defender. Blake was never a good defender. He was hiding behind DeAndre Jordan, man. Blake was one of, Blake is not a good defender. No, no, no. Okay, he's not a Draymond-level defender. No, but he's, he's, not, not, he's not even a league-average defender, man. So like, DeAndre Jordan covered up so many Slightly above Paul. a league-average defender is what I will say. But I think offensively, he added so much. It's Blake Griffin, dude. For this decade, especially, especially on Lob City, I think you have to book weight Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin kind of made, like... Twitter basketball big. You know, like it, every time he dunked on someone, it was like, oh, you need to see this right now. Like he made the Clippers a lead pass team. And then they got Chris Paul. And then they should have they should have made like some conference finals championship. I'll never forget that they choked against the Rockets where Harden wasn't even in that comeback. And game six, they were up like 14, 15 points, like eight minutes left in the fourth. Rockets go crazy. This is the Josh Smith, Corey Brewer, like just a weird Rockets team, but I don't know, man. I, I, I'll, I'm not taking Draymond slander right now. Let's move on to the um, NFL All Decade team. Let's do it. I so, think we both we both have the same. We're we're just doing it like positionally, right? Yeah, we're just doing positionally, and we're just doing one of them. So like, we're not doing like a first team, second team, third team type deal. But uh, yeah, so for for my quarterback, I I have Tom Brady. No arguments there. Let's just okay. move on from there. Yeah. Um. From a running back, I have Adrian Peterson. I was going to take Lynch, and then I switched to Adrian Peterson. I think his yeah. peak years were just so much better than Lynch's peak years. And yeah, like Lynch had more success in the playoffs, but that was also a byproduct of the team. Yeah, I think for me, like running back is a really tricky subject, especially in the last decade, just because success, prolonged success for running backs, really hasn't come since... The days of someone like Ladinian Tomlinson. I mean, there's still Frank Gore. Yeah, Frank Gore is ageless, dude. Yeah, but I think for really like like, I, I think that's why it has to be Adrian Peterson. His 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 prime three or four years in this decade were amazing. Yeah, I for this decade it was like him, Lynch, Lashawn McCoy. Um, you can throw in Frank Gore if you want to, but he was like Frank Gore is the Lamarcus Aldridge of football. Yeah, it's pretty fair, right? I would say that he's just good. Except I think like Frank Gore was like, with Frank Gore is good for so much longer, but yeah. That's fair. 
Yeah, yeah I had Adrian Peterson. All right, I, I included the fullback position. Yeah. Who I have Mike, for- Mike Tolbert. Our San Diego Charger, nice. Glory years with the Panthers, though. He was really, really good for Carolina. Yeah, that's true. Um, I have TJ Watt. Interesting. Why? Uh, because he's a fullback and he plays in 2019-2020. So, you know, the fact that he's there should be celebrated. Also, I think... For your all-decade team? Yeah, I mean, I think really, like, like, he did a really good job these past three or four years with the Chargers. That's biased. No, no, no. I really think, okay, the Chargers are one of the only teams that have a fullback and actually use it. But I think, like, he's a lot more versatile of a fullback than, like... Also, I really, like, like consider Mike Tolbert more of a running back than a fullback. Well, he, he as a fullback, he was, like, a three-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro. No, I, I understand this, but, like, when he came to the Chargers, he became essentially a running back. He wasn't really a fullback anymore. So I think that's why I didn't really think about him. But... Yeah. No, yeah, I don't yeah, think he, he never he never had more than like aside from his San Diego years. Like on Carolina, he never got more than like his, his peak year was 361 rush yards. That's wild, dude. Yeah. He he was always just a guy you needed like when it was like third and two to like yeah, just go you, in and plug the hole. Use your conversion back. Love playing with him in Madden, but <laughs> this is a chunky fellow. Who do you have for your one wide receiver? Like, every bone in my body wanted to take Julio, but I took AB. Ah, nice, nice. I, I, I took Larry Fitzgerald. I'm not going to argue. Like, it, it's... Yeah, I mean, for me, it was between Larry Fitzgerald and Calvin Johnson, but the fact that Calvin Johnson retired in 2016, I was like, I have to take. For me, Larry Fitzgerald, I don't know. I mean... I like Antonio Brown's, like, explosiveness. Like, he just had better... He was more of a game breaker than Fitzgerald. Like Fitzgerald, no, for sure. But Fitzgerald was so consistent. And Brown was pretty damn consistent too. Aside from his first year, he just he was a monster. It was like guaranteed like twelve hundred, thirteen hundred yards. Yeah, I, I love Antonio Brown as as a football player, not as a person. Um, yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring that up. I, I no, I know, hoping, but you get, yeah. But I, I think really he he was really a transformative weapon this 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 decade i just really love larry fitzgerald and feel like he never gets any recognition so Hall that's why i chose him yeah for, for tight end i'm assuming you had a gronk yeah yeah even as a chargers fan i can't say antonio gates was better than gronk this season uh this I, decade i wanted to yeah. say darren waller but i think that would have just that's podcast airs 101 <laughs> who'd you have for your tackle um, I put Joe Thomas because there's no other tackle who like deserves recognition. I put Joe Thomas too. Yeah, I mean, he's one, one of the, the best to ever. He's one of the best tackles of all time, and the best Cleveland Brown or second best Cleveland Brown, Jim Brown. And Jim, Jim Brown, Joe, and then yeah, yeah Joe, Thomas. Joe Thomas. Yeah, uh, Jim and Joe. That guard? should be a podcast. Jim and Joe, like explaining why our team sucks with with special guest Baker Mayfield every week. <laughs> Who do you have your, as your guard? I had Marshall Yanda. I put Zach Martin. I almost put Yanda, no. but ex- explain why. I mean, so for me, I think Zach Martin really played a big role in that Cowboys like like rush offense, a rushing part of the offense. He was a really really good guard, no, no, pulling and stuff, and he really did a good job blocking and protecting for Zeke. But I think Marshall Yanda was just more consistent, and I think better at pass blocking. So I mean. I think he's a more all-rounded back, and I think he um, or sorry, back uh, guard. I think he had like a, like he was more consistent for me. No, like I definitely thought Yana initially, and before looking anything up, I was just gonna write him down and not really look into it. But ever since he came into the league, Zach Martin's made the Pro Bowl. He's a four-time All-Pro, and I think we were just so conditioned to hearing Yanda's name as like. The, the guard of the NFL, right? Like, he's just been doing it well for so long. But if you look at this decade, like, Zach Martin didn't even play the first four years of the decade. He wasn't in the league. And then six years, six Pro Bowls, four All-Pro. I, I just think he's doing it at a higher level. No, for me, it was really between those two. But also, I couldn't include a Cowboys player on my list, so. <laughs> Cowboys have had some fun off-season adventures. Just ask Ezekiel Elliott. For my D tackle, I, I'm assuming you also had Aaron Donald. Are we skipping the center? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, and I need to shout out my boy Alex Mack. 
Uh, yeah, I put Travis same. Frederick. I uh, I honestly had to look this one up. I had no clue. No, I mean for me it's between get. Pouncey and like Mike Pouncey and Alex Mack, but I think Alex Mack is just so good on the Falcons, and he was really an integral part of the offensive line the year they made that run. Um, you know, lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl again, super consistent, but just a really reliable center, and you know that's why I chose him. Yeah, I had I had Travis Frederick because. I know he had he had like an illness that like cut short his career, but he was Pro Football Focus was like five consecutive seasons. He had he was a top five center in the league, and he had he had one of the great like runs for a center. And then, yeah, it was short, but I want to reward him for having his career being cut short. That's like really unfortunate. He was a very good player. Yeah. Yeah. So for D tackle, I had Aaron Donald. I'm sure you did too. Yep. Yeah, so for yep. defensive end, I had J.J. Watt. No questions there. Okay. Uh, For your, I guess, middle linebacker, right? Who who did you have? Yeah, I put Vaughn Miller for middle linebacker, and outside linebacker, I had Khalil Mack. Interesting. Okay, I had... Well, I wouldn't consider Vaughn Miller in a middle linebacker, so... I think that's his, like, naturally listed position. No, he's naturally... He's, 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 he's an outside linebacker. Oh, really? I'm, I think on Pro Football Reference, it's like... He no, I'm 99% positive. Really? Yeah. Because he always plays on the end. He never plays like in, like, he's always on the line. With these linebackers, I really, like, don't know how to classify them because they, they play all over the place. Like, Mac will rush outside, he'll rush inside. Like, there's. No, no, I know, but I mean, but, okay, no, but, but Khalil Mack doesn't usually play on the second level of the defense, right? I consider a middle linebacker a linebacker that plays on the second level of defense, someone like. Like, drops like, into coverage every now and then. Yeah, like Bobby Wagner or like Luke Keekley or um, Patrick Willis or like Navarro Bowman, you know? Like, I consider like a, an outside linebacker someone that is on the first level that's rushing, someone like Khalil Mack or Vaughn Miller or like Julius, not Julius Peppers, the defensive end, but yeah. Like, one of those guys. So, like, I mean, I. I chose Luke Lee for my like traditional linebacker, uh-huh. and then I chose Von Miller for my outside linebacker. Oh, that's fair. I, I for, it's between Keekley Miller and Mac. I think that's like not a debate. Like you could add Bobby Wagner, I guess. No, I think Bobby Wagner was really close to being like to to to, to usurping Luke Keekley for me. But dude, Bobby Wagner didn't miss a tackle. Yeah, no, he's incredible. I just think Keekley's better. No, I I think he was better too. But I, I, no disrespect to Bobby Wagner, man. Like, such a good player. Okay, my cornerback was Richard Sherman. With much apologies to Darrell Rivas and Patrick Peterson. I put Patrick Peterson was really close to putting Richard Sherman, but I just at the end of the day, I was just like, I mean, like Richard Sherman had like two off years in between his like good years and bad years, you know? Or sorry, in, in between his good years. And for me, like Patrick Peterson was just consistent more often. So, so from for my two safeties, I had Earl Thomas and Eric Berry. I had Earl Thomas. I just had one free safety. I didn't even put a second, but yeah, sure. Eric Berry is like the the honorable pick. Like I, I love the, that guy. He's been through a lot. There's Eric Weddle. There's Tyron Matthew. There's you know Ed Reed. I guess if you want to include him, but I think that's more of a last decade pick than this decade. But I think Weddle's Weddle's like a close second for me yeah. it just for me consistency and like eric berry man great player been through a lot but you, you know. survive cancer you make this list yeah and then so for kicker i had justin tucker shout out ut hook him no doubt no doubt yeah and is so he for the greatest punter, kicker in nfl history uh no because adam vinatieri's clutch moments dude like i mean it has to count for something so yes but the accuracy I don't care, dude. I mean, it's Adam Vinatieri. Adam Vinatieri hasn't lost the Colts and Patriots a lot of games. He's won them so many games. No, like fair. Justin Tucker, like maybe wins like the 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 Ravens. I mean, he he doesn't lose them games either, but he just doesn't win them as many games as like you know, like because the 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 Ravens only won one Super Bowl. So that's fair. Yeah, and then for so for punter, I had um your boy Shane Leckler. I did too. I needed to represent, dude. That guy could boom it. Like yeah, that, I mean, the most exciting part, let me tell you, when the Raiders suck, they suck, right? The most exciting part is like, can Shane Leckler pin them at like the five? You know, that that's what we woke up for on Sundays. Yeah, I think Shane Leckler and also on the 49ers, Andy Lee and also mm-hmm. Pat McAfee were part of this old school generation of just like booming kicks. But yeah. I was really tempted to put, you know, a very new school punter, um, Johnny Hecker on, on my list. Johnny just Hecker's because. Good. 
I think Johnny Hacker really revolutionized the way punting was seen instead of just like a kick it as far as possible. It's like an it became, art, dude. Yeah, it became more of a strategy, more of an art. And, you know, with the prevalence of Johnny Hecker on the Rams came Sam Cook on the uh, on the Ravens and even the, 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 the drafting of, you know, fellow Longhorn Michael Dixon on the Seahawks. The fact that they actually took a pick and drafted him. He is an amazing punter. Won the MVP of the Texas Bowl uh, during... 2017 Texas Bowl, but the fact that like you know Johnny Hecker kickstarted this this whole sort of punting revolution that punting is now considered a weapon, and you see all these punters across the league kind of imitating imitating that. I think that really has to you know give some credit, but still I think Shane Leckler is, is too good to to not give him this nod. Have you seen the Sam Coke like punting tutorial video where he goes yeah. over like the different spins and like where to hold Insane. the lace and. Yeah, I mean, and, and I I watch a lot of Pat McAfee, and like he always talks about like how to punt and stuff, and is like super cool. Like, Shout out I, Pat I think, McAfee for such a dope like post career gig. Yeah, and like I I love the way like especially during the season, like he'd explain kicking and punting things, and uh-huh. it would be like make so much sense. Like Adam Vinatieri shanked this like one kick in Pittsburgh, or he shanked, shanked a couple of kicks, but like he explained this was, like, that super well. Yeah, yeah. I so well. That yeah, and so just yeah. All right, I have the last position for football. I have the return man, and I have Devin Hester. Has to be. I think for me it was like Devin Hester or Tyreek Hill, but Tyreek Hill's only played like three years. I thought you about know, so... uh, Cordero Patterson too. Oh, yeah, really good. Cordero Patterson's really good too. But, man, like Devin Hester is just a legend. Nice. That was a pretty like – like we had a lot of consensus on the NFL team. I think it's easier to, to pick like top players for the NFL than – basketball just because there's i don't know it's weird how it how the hierarchy works in football i mean considering there's only been like what like four super bowl championship or champions this decade like you know or the the past decade right Mm -hmm. eagles patriots um the giants uh the uh, i think your argument's void when you think that the warriors Cavs. And he have won like <laughs> yeah that's true right? it's like it, you just have to like take a note never mind yeah okay ah uh, yeah and then the MLB the Giants won three championships this decade but hey a lot yeah. of like repeat champions going on yeah but this all decade team for the MLB uh my catcher I have Buster Posey I took Molina yeah for it was me Buster Posey or Molina but the fact that Buster Posey won three rings. And twenty twelve and and twenty twelve NL MVP and the fact that he won the batting title in twenty twelve and the fact that he was twenty ten rookie of the year. Just you know, and he's been consistent. He's caught like a perfect game, three no hitters, like, you know. I just love watching Yachty when he's catching. Like the way he like like pitchers just feel comfortable when he's behind the plate. I think that has to matter for something. It, it's really a toss up. You can't go wrong with either Posey or yeah. Molina. I just always like I was like it's just made me so mad like whenever the Giants would play the Cardinals because Yachty was so good it was just like man like why can't you have a bad catcher you know it was um, like a catcher's yeah. duel at that point you have Posey, no yeah it was super super interesting I think Posey's like slightly more gifted offensively but Yachty has like a better command of like handling a pitching staff so it's it's just what you prefer at that point no I th- I think Buster Posey's almost as good as Yachty defensively as well. No, exactly. It's just like that that slight edge for both. Like Yachty's a brilliant offensive player. He's just not Buster Posey. And I think the same goes yeah. for like vice versa on defense. Yeah. Who do you have for first base? I took Miggy. Yeah. I think for me it was between Miggy and who I picked, Joey Votto. Just the fact mm-hmm. that like like for me, like Miggy won the triple crown, you know, twenty twelve. Amazing yep. season. But, you know, first off, failed to capitalize on that and win the World Series. Took his team to the World Series, but that was a stacked team. First of all, tell, that me what, team, tell me what Joey Votto has done. I, I, I will tell you what Joey Votto has done because he's done quite a lot. Playoffs. Okay. Oh, okay like, I don't want to hear Miguel Cabrera didn't win the World Series. But, okay. So, it, in, the, in the 2010s, Joey Votto also won an, an, an NL MVP, right? Mm-hmm. And he led the league in on-base percentage, seven of the ten years, and he's only one of three hitters to do so, along okay. with Ted Williams and Roger Hornsby. Okay, let so me for tell me, it's you... more about for me, it's more about long-term decade consistency. That's my thing with baseball's decade-long consistency. And I think Joey Votto has been more consistent consistent this decade than Miguel Cabrera. 
Okay, let me tell you Miguel Cabrera's batting averages for the decade. Starting in 2010. 328, 344. And for, for reference, like these are good numbers. 330, 348, 313, 338, 316. One down year in 2017 where he hit 249. And then he went 299, 282. Right? Look in, at in Joey Votto's. Time, no, no. Let, let, let me continue a little bit. In this time, he's won two MVPs. He won the Triple Crown. He made the playoffs most of these years. He's won and two in, MVPs? Yeah, he won back-to-back MVPs, dude. 2012 to 2013. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, he's inarguably, like, the best first baseman, at least in the AL. Like, if, if you want to go... If you want to compare him and Votto, like, you can, like, nitpick here and there. I just think Miguel Cabrera is, like, offensively leaps and bounds beyond Votto. Well... Okay, this is Joey Votto this decade, okay? He's hit 324, 309, 337, 305. He had one off year in 2015, 244, but then 314, 326, 320, and then 284 and 261. But he's made an All-Star six times? Six yeah. times. Miggy's a seven-time All-Star in this decade. How many? Seven. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. I'll give you this one. Yeah, I guess uh, it's close though. It's close. Like yeah. <laughs> Joey Votto's great. All right, here's. I didn't want to do this for my second baseman, but I put Altuve. No, I had to pick Altuve too, dude. Yeah, like, it's a you know cheater. I, I was thinking Cano, but it's just like you know, it's Altuve. Uh, both would have been cheaters then. Yeah. <laughs> and then so for my third baseman, I picked Nolan Arenado. I had I wrote down Beltre Arenado toss up. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just the fact that like Arnado has been so good the last seven years. I think he's like, like he's made five All Star games in a row or six All Star games in a row, and it's just, yeah, man, like he's been so consistent the past, like yeah, like he's won a Gold Glove in all seven seasons. He's he's played three NL home run crowns and five straight All Stars. Is like the past seven years he's been so good. But again, Adrian Beltre is one of the best. Third baseman to ever play the game, three thousand hit club, you know four all star teams this decade. So it's really a toss up. I agree. Belcher is also one of the most fun players yeah, to watch. Amazing, his, so like, funny to watch. His on deck antics, his like messing with Felix Hernandez. Like he's just one of the most like entertaining baseball players. So exactly, I really like that. You can go. You can pick either one. It's fine. Yeah. Um. All right. Center fielder. If what, you say anyone other than Mike Trout, yeah. What about shortstop? Huh. What about shortstop? Oh, shortstop. Um, I went Andrelton Simmons. I like the defense. I don't know. I think you you need to have. I think there's players that have good defense and good offense as well. But he's yeah. not. He's like a he's like a above average hitter. Yeah, I picked uh, Chortzelowitzki. That's fair. Like he in his like. Sh- I wouldn't call it a short peak, but I felt like it was abbreviated because of injuries. Like every yeah. year, he would just have something. But, but I mean, yeah, he he made five All Star teams this decade. So, but playing in Colorado is like inflation. Come on, dude. It is, it, dude. It kind of is. It's not that. The air is thin. The he's home also runs really good defensively. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, outfield. I had Mike Trout, obviously. mm Hmm. Center fielder, Mike Trout, of course. Right yeah. field, I took Mookie Betts. I took Giancarlo Stanton. Interesting. Why? Like that? I, I don't know. I just thought Mookie, Mookie Betts, Betts was is, like a more complete player. He's he's too he's too new. He's only yeah, played but like since he's come into the league. He's done nothing but like win MVPs and like he won one MVP, dude. Yeah, he's in the last four years. He's like one of the best four players in baseball. I agree with this, but I think if you want to be one of the best players in this decade, you need to play at least more than four years. So, yeah, I think his impact is greater than John Carlo's impact in baseball thus far. I don't know about this, dude. John Carlo changed his name, and that was a big deal. And then changed it back. He also played for the Marlins under Derek yeah. Jeter. Yeah, and then he played for the Yankees. Sad. Uh, sad. He's- He's never been on like a a very successful team, right? Like he, even with his his year with the Yankees, I remember a lot of fans kind of like turned on him throughout the season cuz he was he wasn't producing what he was in Miami. 
dude, he hits. He's still hit like thirty plus home runs. No, I know the power was there, but like it's the it's the strikeouts that like bother me with Giancarlo. Yeah. I don't know. I I just don't think Mookie Betts can be on the All Decade team, like only playing half the decade. You know? I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna argue Giancarlo too much. Who's your left fielder? Uh, Andrew McCutcheon. Easy. Yeah, has to be so good, dude. So good. I'm McCutcheon's like three years where he was like winning MVP and one of like the most exciting players in baseball. That was so fun to watch. So good. And like he led that Pirates team to like a playoff run in 2014 and just. Dude, they could never get out of the wild card game. I remember they always lose to the Giants. Like it, there was something about I don't I don't know. I I thought if the Pirates like made a series, like if if they just got past the wild card game, they they could have advanced to like an NLCS or something. They had a really good pitching rotation again in 2014. They had Garrett Cole who started the game, and then Brandon Crawford hit a grand slam against him. Uh, Garrett, Garrett Cole then wasn't Garrett Cole now. Like he wasn't like an all-world beater. I know, but he's still Garrett Cole. I mean, yeah, yeah. Dude, Garrett Cole now is something else for sure. Yeah. Speaking of yeah. Cole, my my starting pitcher. Ah, oh, this is dude. I think this is the hardest one for me because I I took into account playoffs. I took into account like the ERAs, like the WAR, like everything you take into account, like wins i honestly didn't even take into account wins because i think that's a very overrated stat in baseball like wins need to go like you, you need to just look at the the advanced metrics and not just the the raw counting numbers so i took i took scherzer man i think it would this was like literally a toss-up between three players for me scherzer verlander and kershaw exactly you know. like that was yeah i i picked kershaw um, just because, you know, he run the triple crown, three Cy Young awards, you know, 2014 NL MVP. But you uh, can't tell me the playoff numbers are like concerning. No, you know, which is the biggest thing about Clayton Kershaw compared to Max Scherzer is the playoff numbers are not very good at all. But, yeah. you know, still the fact that the Dodgers did reach the playoffs with Clayton Kershaw. So it was not like he was well, okay, so... Given, their, given the Dodgers payroll and their starting rotation and every single player... One through nine in the lineup. Like, there is no way they shouldn't have made the playoffs. It's not like he was so bad that he prevented them from making the playoffs. No, like, not prevent him from making the playoffs. Once you get into the playoffs, like, there's when you're the Dodgers and you win, like, 100-plus games year in and year out, there's a, there's a certain expectation that your number one starter doesn't just give up, like, five runs every time he takes the mound. I agree with this. I just, his regular season stats are so good. It's just, like, dude... He struck out 301 people in one season. It's insane. No, that's, that's fantastic. I think he's the James Harden of baseball. Like, incredible, no, yeah. incredible numbers. Like, inarguably a top five player in the game when right. Like, I, I think in these last few years, he's kind of tailed off. But at his peak, he was like, what, like one of the top three players, if not... Like, definitely the best pitcher, like, one of the top three players. But he just has this, like, playoff hump he's, like, yet to get over. Yeah, for sure. But I, I think also, like, got a shout out to Justin Verlander. Like, two AL Cy Young Awards, AL MVP, Triple Crown. Mm-hmm. Dude, two no-hitters. Love the league and strike out four times. So much, like, so, so much. So, you know. He was, like, in trouble for a couple of years until he went to the Astros. And then he just completely turned it around. So, good for yeah. him. Dude, yeah, and then, you know, can't forget about Zach Greinke, super good, very underrated. Chris Sale, but also Madison Bumgarner. I think, you know, if you're going based on pure playoff success, it has to be, has to be Madison Bumgarner. I wish Tim Lincecum's prime lasted longer. Oh my god, Tim Lincecum is, yeah, I really miss Tim Lincecum, dude. Absolutely, but I mean god, the, the, the 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 way he pitches, no way his prime could have lasted longer. Such He's... a he was violent very, pitcher. He was like very Steph Curry ish, like the way he like took the league by storm. Yeah, but yeah, two MVPs or like two Cy Youngs, two Cy Youngs, love the league and strikeouts, just so good. All right, and yeah, on that note, on that sad note about Tim Lincecum's career, it is an end to another no, locked in podcast. Our last. Oh my god, I forgot about a relief pitcher. Player. All right, I have Aroldis Chapman. Yeah, I have Chapman too. Convince me about Craig Kimbrell. Like, why shouldn't I put him? Uh, Chapman pitches faster. 
Yeah, that's fine. And Chapman's also more fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, that wraps it up. Thank you for listening. If you made it this far, you're a real one. The closer um, closes the episode. The closer closes the episode. Hopefully, they don't give up six runs like Kershaw would. But you know, we're all about we're all about improvement here. You know, becoming better people, becoming better pitchers. So, Clayton, if you're listening, here's to that. Thank you guys for listening. We have some exciting stuff coming up. Um, next episode, we'll probably announce it. But yeah, Ani, anything to add? Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wash your hands, people. Peace. Let's go. You know what I'm saying, man? I think I just made like 42 different sports references in two verses.